Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, that you will meet us today as we discuss your word. Lord, anoint the preaching of your word. Meet us today. Give us peace and hope and faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, we are still in our series entitled The Gospel Explained. And as we notice that the gospel also means the good news. And when we talk about the good news, it's important for us believers to understand the fullness and uh, the importance of how we apply the good news in our lives. You know, lately, if you've been checking your Facebook and Instagram, a lot of people have been posting uh, something about good news. And they use the hashtag good news 2020. Why? Because we're actually filled with a lot of negative news today. Negative news that affects us. Negative news that scares us. This is my encouragement for all of us. As people of God, we are bearers of good news. And not only do we share good news in social media, a lot of our leaders who are actually working behind the scenes, trying to help out in so many ways, just to share with you some of our Victory Group leaders who are still handling uh, the PNP of San Juan, continue to do efforts to bless them by providing food for them, by praying for them as they go out in the field. Some of our leaders are actually helping the San Juan Medical Center, who's now handling and catering to more COVID-19 patients. And if you want to be part of this, just message us. Just message us and we'll be able to direct you on how to help and to be hands and feet of Jesus during this trying time. The good news, this is who we are. We believe in the good news. We believe in what Jesus has done. He has lived, he died, he resurrected and offered the gift of salvation. And when we talk about knowing and understanding better the good news, we have to understand that the right information of the good news will lead us to the right way of living. Ang hirap if we actually get wrong information and apply it. And this is one of the purpose of Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote the book of Romans. And to share with you what was happening, the book of Romans is a 16-chapter book where he writes to the church in Rome to actually try to unite them. Why? Because there was... Uh, uh, tension between the two groups, the Jewish and the Gentile believers. They were pushing their culture, pushing their theology because of a misunderstanding of the gospel. And today, as people of God, the question I want to ask you is, do we understand fully what the gospel really is? And Paul tries to unpack this in the perspective of the Jewish believers. During this time, uh, the Jews actually had their uh, background and they were pushing and saying, you have to live like this. You have to do this. And this is the way you live so that you will be saved. And our main text is found in Romans chapter 2, verse 17 to 29. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open it up to Romans chapter 2, verse 17 to 29. I'm going to go through the text and let's allow Paul and the Word of God to actually reveal to us some areas of our lives that we may have misconceptions about what the gospel really is for us. Verse 17, it says here, You who call yourselves a Jew are relying on God's law and boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. 
You know what is right because you have been taught by his law. Jews are proud people of the law. And Paul tries to show them that this is how you see yourself. This is how you define yourself as a Jew believing Christian. He was saying that, yes, you have a special relationship of, with God, as they say or as they claim. Why? Because they are people chosen of God. They are the Israelites, the descendants and offsprings of Abraham. And for them, because they are partakers and they are chosen people, for them, that is enough. And so they boast not of God, but they boast of the law. What else? Verse 19 says, You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. And because these Jewish believers see themselves as people who are proud of the law, having the law, they are also uh, proud not only to have the law as the ones giver of the law. Their point of strength is the law. It says here in verse 19, it starts with, they are fully convinced. Verse 20, they think. And at the end of verse 20, it says, they are for certain. You know, these are people who have this posture of knowing the truth and knowledge. It reveals their attitude about their lives and how they live their lives. Uh, it's an attitude of knowing it all. It's an attitude of self-sufficiency as if they know and understand everything that's happening. And so the Jewish people then, where people would actually probably determine your situation by looking at you in compliance to the law. So if they see you, ay, hindi and blessed because he did not do this and do that. Ah, kaya ganyan ang nangyayari sa kanya. Because they are not following the law. This is the attitude of these Jewish believers during this, those times. And as people of God, they feel like their point of strength is their background. Why? They grew up knowing the law. They were asked to pass on the law from generation to generation. And this is for them what they know. Kumbaga sa uh, point of strength ng tao, they believe that this is the way to best live out their Christian life. They brought their background as they encountered Jesus. And so Paul actually put, gives us a better picture of this kind of false teaching, of this kind of uh, wrong mindset during the time of the believers. Verse 21, it says, Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you do steal. You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? Their purpose was to enforce law, but not really to comply with the law. There are people who are experts in uh, calling you out. Uy, hindi ganyan. Hindi ganyan na maging Christian. Uy, don't do that. Hindi ka pabibless ni Lord. Oh, you're sinning. They actually just look at the people in, in the backing of the law. Because their point of strength is the law, they are looking at uh, the outside world with that kind of strength. It's a do's and don'ts kind of world for them. And verse 23 says, 
So you are proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. The Jews were being described by Paul as people who do not practice what they preach. Unfortunately, not only are they boastful or they're prideful about having the law and knowing how to teach it, the reality is they were also breaking the law. They don't do it. They just tell others to do it, but they don't actually live it out. They also focus the law for others. Why? Because when they focus it on themselves, they know they cannot comply with this law. And that's why we encounter a lot of people in our lives. We hear this from other people that they say, Ganito pala maging Christian. Ayoko na. Puro kailangan gawin to. Kailangan gawin yan. We hear these comments in the environment that we live in that they say, ay, ganito pala ang maging Christian. Sabi, magpatawad. Pero siya mismo, hindi naman marunong magpatawad. Ah, sabi niya, ang pagiging Christian is to be generous. Pero bakit ngayon, humihingi ako ng konti? Parang, ang damot naman. Have we heard of comments like this? Ganito ba ang maging Christian? You know, the Jews, with their wrong mindset and wrong point of strength, was actually not bringing people closer to God. The reality was they were bringing people farther away from God. And Paul talks about the hypocrisy of these kinds of Jews. It was talking about a life of fully uh, external. No? It was all about what they do outside but not what is inside. Their way of life was actually dishonoring to God. Dishonoring or shaming. Imagine, no? the law was there for us to comply with but because of the focus too much on the law what happens we were dishonoring god we are shaming god you know the reality that paul was trying to emphasize to these jewish believers on how they see themselves is this that the law that god gave through moses for us to follow was a guide but the reality is it actually revealed the sinfulness of man. The Bible tells us that nobody is good, not even one. And that only one sin would actually lead us to eternal damnation. Just one sin. For them, it was probably a scorecard that if I do more and do more, I would outweigh the bad that I do. But the reality is this. Nobody can fulfill the law. It just magnifies the sinfulness and rebelliousness of man. If you think about it, the whole Old Testament was about God extending His grace and mercy. And He would tell them, do this so that you will be blessed, you will be protected, I will provide everything that you need. But what happened? They would actually rebel against God. They would do their way. They would create their own gods. In Romans 1, it tells us that God allowed them to exchange the truth for a lie. Why? Because this is the rebellious nature of the people of God. Even us today, we experience this, that we can never fulfill the law 100%. Only one person can do that, and that is Jesus. He lived a perfect life. But for us humans, if there's one thing that equalizes Jews, Gentiles, us believers and the people outside is this, that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And so putting the law up front or using the law as a point of strength or complying with the law as means to win favor from the Lord or to be saved, Paul says, this is all worthless, that we can never save ourselves through the compliance of the law. Verse 24, it says, No wonder Scripture says, The Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. For the Gentiles, sabi nila, no? If you're telling us, sabi ng Jews, do this, and for the Gentiles, if you're telling us to comply with all this and this and this, ang hira pala maging Christian. We won't be able to comply with all these laws. We won't be able to follow all these laws. And for them, be, instead of building up faith, it was actually building hopelessness. Because compliance of the law is not the way to save ourselves. And that's why for others we hear this, ganyan pala maging Christian. Sabi nila, dapat ganito, to do this and that. And for others, we're actually pushing them back and saying, it's impossible to be a Christian. It's a do's and don'ts. You know, sometimes we have to be careful with what we say to the people around us. Because if we are people who are pushing, oh, do this. Oh, kailangan gawin mo to, ah, para i-bless ka ni Lord. You know, giving good advice like that is either pushing them away farther from God or leading them to God. And that's why we have to be careful with the words we say. We have encountered this, and I personally said this before I became a believer. I would always say this, ay, tsaka na ako mag-church, feeling ko matutunaw ako. Kasi ang dami kong ginawang kasalanan. Or tsaka na lang ako mag-church if I can give up these things that I'm doing, the vices that I'm doing. You know, if we think that way, we are thinking based on the law. That we think that when we go to God, it's because we have done the law and now He will approve us. But the reality is this, nobody can fulfill this law without Christ. As we continue in verse 25, not only does Paul show what their point of strength is, it's the compliance of the law, it's the do's and don'ts. Unfortunately, nobody can fulfill it. And in verse 25, he shows a different angle of how the Jews also see themselves, a wrong mindset. It says, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you do not obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. Jews sees themselves as people of ceremony and ritual. The ceremony or ritual of circumcision happened after God gave the covenant promise to Abraham and his descendants. And the act of going through a physical circumcision was only a sign or a, a mark of what it is to have that covenant in our lives. So you have to remember, the covenant was given first. And it was not a means, circumcision was not a means to get that covenant. Jewish people sometimes, during those times in the Bible, would actually put that in front of the Gentiles. You cannot be saved unless you are circumcised. You cannot be saved unless you do this and that, the rituals and the ceremonies. What is it the significance of this kind of thinking today for us? You know, some of us, we may not have a list, but in our minds, we feel like there are ceremonies or rituals we need to do to win the favor of God or to be saved by God. Some of us think that to go to church regularly is a means to win that favor of God. 
some of us think that volunteering, uh, our ritual or our ceremony of volunteering will win the favor of God. But the reality is this. We can actually do the right thing with the wrong motivation. And that's why Paul was actually showing a picture that ceremonies won't even save you. We go to church, we attend church, we volunteer, we help, we are part of a victory group, we give out of our overflowing love and experiencing God in a very personal way. It's not out of compliance or out of winning favors for the Lord. And so, as we progress in the story, Paul was showing the wrong mindset. Sabi niya, no? it's not about the law. If you think that it will uh, save you, and this is the reason why the church is divided because of that, it won't work. It's not about the rituals or ceremonies. No matter what you do, you can never win the favor of God this way. And it's not the right way of living. And so he summarizes it in verse 28 as he says, For you are not a true Jew because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. He says that that is not the right definition of what it is to be a Jewish Christian in this church. Paul was telling them that the concept and mindset was faulty and not reliable. Imagine they were living their lives with the wrong gospel in their minds. They've been existing and saying, Jesus is my Savior. But unfortunately, they still don't get it. They still bring in their background, their culture to drive their daily lives. And so Paul defines what it is to be a true Jew. You know, I was going through this message and I was studying it. At first, I couldn't see where I fit in the story. I couldn't place myself there. And I realized this, that as Paul talks to the Jews before in this letter, he actually talks to us as being believers. And so it made sense to me as I changed the word Jew with Christian. He is saying that you are not a true Christian because you were born of Jewish parents and because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Verse 29 says, you are a true Jew, a true believer, a true Christian is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law or not in compliance. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. A new kind of Jew is one who is who has a right kind of heart towards God. It was a changed heart for God. It was never about the external. And this is the point that Paul was trying to make. It was never about the things we do outside. But it was about the internal reality that we have inside. And so why do we do things today? It's a good time for us to reflect. What are the things that we do for God? What is the motivation of doing that? Because God's concern is what's happening in the inside rather than what He sees on the outside. You know, only God knows the true motivation of your hearts. And the reality is we all need to have a change of heart. The Bible also tells us the heart is the most deceitful of all. It actually convince you to do things because of a certain way of thinking. It deceives us that this is the right way of living. And that's why we read it in the Bible that only God can change heart of stone to heart of flesh. 
we need to have the right heart before God. So this is my question for us. What is the condition of our hearts today? As Paul challenges the views of the Jews during that time, he actually challenges us today. You might have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but at the same time, if you do not allow him to change your heart, to do the work in your heart, you may actually be seen as a person who is righteous outside or be a good person outside, but the inside might be rotting of envy, rotting of pride, of selfishness, of deceit, rotting of uh, anger with the things that are happening around us. You know, a true Jew or a true believer of the Lord is one whose heart is right with God. You know, in the end, we will realize this. That the only way to be right with God is not through doing things, but through what He will do in and through us. To make us right with God is only through Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the only one who can change our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Uh, the ending of this verse in verse 29 says, And a person with a changed heart seeks and seeks praise from God and not from people. For the Jewish audience of Paul, even for the Gentiles and all of us today, a changed heart is now a life that is devoted to the Lord, a life that is under the Lordship of the Lord. In the end, we realize this, that being right with God is never about what we do for Him, but what He did for us on the cross. He died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. He lived the life that we should have lived. And because of that, we are made right with God. And that's why we live our lives as changed lives. Binabago tayong Lord. You know, if our salvation for us is only a concept of forgiveness, it's very uh, parang consumer mindset. No, It's all about what I need. Lord, pinatawag mo na ako, okay na ako, and I will live the life I still live. But to be saved by God is not only Him as a Savior, but also Him as our Lord. We have to understand. But when God changes us, it changes the way we live, it changes the way we see Him, and it changes the way we are to other people. You know, our salvation is not meant for just you. It's meant for something more. And it's meant to be a blessing to others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift that we receive from God. It was never about what we have done for Him. It's only about Him and doing this to save us. I'm going to end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin." who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, the purpose of God sending his son to die on the cross to forgive our sins is not only for us to be right with him, 
the Bible says we are made into be the righteousness of God. What does that mean? You know, our lives is not meant to be just for us. Our encounter with God is very personal. But at the end of the day, it was never meant to be exclusive. Your life is meant to be a blessing to others. We are the representation of God today. Ambassadors for the kingdom. And so as He uh, as He forgives us, as He cleanses us from our past, as He heals us spiritually, the righteousness of God is given to us. We are made now right with God. Wala na tayong issue kay Lord. Why? Because He has forgiven us. And that being right with God means now to be righteousness of God to the world. My prayer is this, just like the Jews of uh, during that time that Paul was bringing back to the right perspective of God, that their lives was to be a blessing to the Gentile world out there. And my prayer for each and every one of us is to know this, that the saving knowledge of God is not only for our personal consumption, but for us to be a blessing to others. We might have these mindsets of uh, doing this and that to win the favor of God. We might have this mindset of uh, doing ceremonies and rituals. But I believe today God is reminding us that only through His Son that we can truly be saved. And the question is, how do we live our lives now? Are we bringing people closer to God or are we actually leading them farther from Him? And it starts with the right heart with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God who knows the true condition of our hearts today. Lord, you may have saved us years and years back. But Lord, because of the things that are happening in the world, the experiences that we had, Lord, our hearts might be callous now. Our hearts might be broken. Our hearts might actually be rotten. So Lord, today we pray that you fix our hearts. Change it if you have to. Lord, thank you that our salvation begins with being right with you. So Lord, today we go back to you to change our hearts. Point areas in our lives that we need to work on. Lord, prune it. Cut it for us to be more fruitful. Lord, allow us to go back to the real meaning of the good news. Allow us to live it out. Allow us to be a blessing to the world out there. Lord, thank you that you are faithful to hear our prayers today. Thank you, Lord God, that as we focus our hearts and our minds on you, you will be the one to fix our hearts again. Lord, we believe this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.